From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunter Vandy and Corey Clark. What's up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, backup quarterback, hostile environment. Florida State manages to still find a way. Offensively, a point of emphasis they need to acknowledge if they want to win out. And we're a broken record, but it's a rock-solid defense. Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com, the website. As always, QR code on your screen somewhere. Hit it with the phone. Takes you right to the website. You can check out the daily lunch specials. You can also put your order in online to go if you wish. But we always recommend hanging around the corner pocket bar and grill. It's always a fun time. Tomorrow, Tuesday, all day tacos. No, so no lunch special. It's all day. And then you get trivia at 7 o'clock. But today, though, on Monday, you start your week with a victory burger. Half pound, all Angus beef. Delicious black Angus beef. Can't go wrong. Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. Warchant.com, your ultimate symbol sports source at the thumbs up, please. Five-star rating and review. Read all the great stuff over there, especially after a big dub. Solid column from our own Corey Clark. Um, can we jump right into it? But actually, first, how are you, Corey? I'm good, thank you. Now we can jump right in. Yeah. Um, really love the lead to your column. Uh, just all the emotions that every Florida State fan was probably feeling, uh, if they were honest with themselves, like in the first, whatever, 25 minutes of that yeah. football game a 24-15 victory by the way you're 12-0 and everybody mm. uh, you'll you're ranked fourth now in all the major polls state champs mm-hmm mm-hmm uh it was talking to Ira about this well in Mississippi when they went when they would win the Egg Bowl like the Egg Bowl trophy would go to like they they take it to that city's Walmart and be like hey come on out and take a photo with the the golden egg so like if you're in Starkville you'd go to the Starkville Walmart we don't have anything like that in Florida unfortunately we don't care about the fans. We just we just say state champs. We don't let also you figure. Wouldn't you think Starkville has like multiple WalMarts, like eight to ten? Oh, don't be mean. They're like Circle K's <laughs> in in Tallahassee. Uh, but Is that what Tallahassee would do with their state championship? <laughs> Florida State just roll it into the nearest Circle K. <laughs> Bring your Kevlar vest. <laughs> uh, but twenty four fifteen victory. Your their backup quarterback, whatever. But your backup quarterback that place being uh, as daunting as it really can be. Yeah. But, you know, I think we struggled processing what this team was going to be after that LSU game. And maybe this is me projecting, Corey. But after we saw the way they played against LSU, we just thought the absolute sky was the limit, which it kind of still is, obviously, because we're 12-0 and and you're still in the thick of the playoff hunt. But, like, in this last month, we really – this team didn't really look elite on offense. And there was moments where you, you start kind of having some self-doubt about how far this team can go. But – it's so hard to quantify, Corey, so I ask you to try to do it for all of us here. This team is just going to find a way to win. I told people I thought the game was going to be stressful, but ultimately mm. Florida does things that makes you lose football games. They lose their composure. Florida State does things that helps you win games close. Fighting for each other, being well-coached, being disciplined. Uh, that kind of stuff is real. It's long-lasting, you would think, and it felt like it was totally on display front and center Saturday night in Gainesville. 
Yeah, it was. You know, there's a reason one team's 12 and 0 and the other one's 5 and 7 and it's that fourth quarter. Um, you know, they had they got to stop. They were forcing Florida State to punt. Rodemaker runs for 10 yards on third and 14 and they should have had two kids called for targeting <laughs> or at least one for uh, attempted targeting. Um, you you know, both of them dove at his head. And uh it's just dumb stuff like that. It's it's getting kicked out for spitting on a lineman. Uh. This they, the kick starts another drive, the drive right before the half that gets Florida State back in the game. You you just do dumb stuff, and it kind of reminds me, um, not to bring up old wounds, but it reminds me of the dumb stuff that they would do under Willie. Just teams that, teams that have that in their DNA find ways to lose games. And on the flip side, teams that have what Florida State has in their DNA find ways to win games. And... Man, yeah, the offense has not been elite. You go back to, like, they had whatever that streak was, 15 straight games of scoring 30 or more points or 16 straight. Well, now they've scored under 30 in three of their last four games, and the one they scored over 30 was against North Alabama. So, yes, the offense has come back to earth. Now against Pitch, you didn't have any wide receivers. Miami's Miami, and then you're playing with a backup quarterback on the road. But, no, the offense has not been elite. And you kind of got this sense on Saturday night, it ain't going to be elite in Charlotte either. (laughs) And if they were to win that game, which is a big if, folks, they're a four-point, five-point favorite. Um, that is essentially a coin flip. Louisville, despite what happened on Saturday, um, they were kind of unlucky to lose that game. Sounded like uh, they have outplayed him. it sounds like. They did. They gave up a kick return. They had a couple of horrible turnovers, um, a couple of bad plays on defense. But, yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're good. Louisville's good, man, and Louisville can beat you. Louisville is certainly better than Florida um, on both sides of the ball with the current incarna- uh, incarnation of Florida. Uh, but – yeah, yeah, it's like, just like I. That's kind of what my my point. Some of the point of the column was was yeah, I, like I thought they were done. I thought the season was over. Not the season was over, but the perfect season was over. In eleven and one, that's still a really cool season. It's a fun season. It's been a fun season. Well, they're twelve and zero and they're state champs. No matter what happens this Saturday, I don't think any of us watched that game in the swamp and thought, man, if they could just get through Louisville, they're probably going to win the national championship. I don't know that they're – I think their ceiling has been lowered. It's one game, small sample size. But I feel like the ceiling has been lowered because the offense is not elite. That's a really bad defense, and they, they did not play well against a really bad defense. Uh, but you know what was elite on Saturday, Aslan? Hmm. The Florida State defense. Yeah. And it kind of had – it's like it's flipped. It's flipped <laughs> it where is. you can count, you count on the defense to, to be the constant. To the, be con- the the consistent force. It has been the constant, really, for the second half of the season. Quite frankly, ever since the end of the Boston College game, the defense has been the constant. It has been more reliable, and it has been more consistent all year long. So just hats off to Fuller, and hats off to that entire that, that entire staff and all those players. Corey, because they've you know, been really good. Do you know how many yards Florida had in the fourth quarter? Yeah, like minus 17. Minus 15. Yeah, yeah. Minus 15 in a quarter. It's crazy. They had four. I think they had forty-eight yards total in the second half, and they had fifty-six on one drive. So do that math, everybody. Um, they, they they were dominated. And look, I, I know they had a backup quarterback, uh, but they have good players, man. They have good skill guys. Those running backs are good. Uh, I think the tight end's pretty good, and those receivers are good. Pearsall, I think, had one catch. Correct. After you played Miami, and Restrepo had zero catches. Hmm. Um, that's just, it's, it's been really, really, um, uh, just a a really good season for that, for that side of the ball and for that coaching staff. They've been, 
they've been oddly, I think, the more reliable, like I just said, the reliable force, and they dominated that game when the game was still very much in doubt. And yes, they've had the privilege of facing not good offenses and some backup quarterbacks. They still have done what they're supposed to do and absolutely kind of dominated every quarterback they faced, uh, save for my man Castellanos. <laughs> he's the only one that's lit him up. Jane Daniels had one touchdown. He's he might win the Heisman. Have you he looked had at one his touchdown? Stats? They're up twenty eight points. It's absurd what Jane Daniels has done this year. Like over seventy two percent of his passes. It's it's remarkable. Like forty touchdowns. It's but so you talk about the LSU game, right? And yeah. that they're not the team we maybe we thought they were after that LSU game. We absolutely should have not put as much stock into what we saw offensively in that game, mm. but put way more stock into what we saw defensively. Amen especially in the second half when LSU did diddly-poo until they were down 28 points with a minute left and they hit an 80-yard touchdown. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry if I got interrupted you there when you were in the midst of it, but bring up the LSU stuff. But it's I, I just feel like when we saw, again, to that point of the LSU game, like we thought the team was gonna, I thought the team was gonna be like a cobra. Like they're gonna, you know, they're gonna look fancy. They were gonna strike you with just like lethal precision. But like they've become like a python. Like they just, mm. they take you to the end of the game. They take you to the deep waters, and yeah. they just slowly suck the life out of you. Like there was moments there in that first half where you're like, how is this Max Brown kid the better quarterback than Tate Rodemaker? Tate, right. it's been here for how long under the same staff, and he cannot get things going. And meanwhile, this kid is throwing like off his back foot. 15 yard out with like pinpoint precision but again like you know 12 to 0 felt almost insurmountable even though it was only a two two possession uh deficit but you're like man just get a score here before the half you're gonna get the ball to start the second half and then at that point it was game on and you just figured i don't know it, it's regression to the mean or just the law of averages works itself out to where floor is going to be florida continually sorry about my email chime i figured this all out i gotta shut my email off mm. when we do the show Okay. Uh, too late now. Sorry. Love you, everybody. We're only five years in. We're only uh, six years in. It's hadn't been going on for very long, though, has it? Yeah, I'm not so, that popular. I'm not that popular. <laughs> right. um, but they f just find ways to then put themselves in position to have those kind of moments. And, it, man, it comes down to the coaching, right? It, it comes down to his messaging, rallying around Jordan. Like, all this stuff is real. Like, they, they believe in their core that they work harder than anybody else in the country, that they love that quarterback and are so hurt that he's not able to finish out this season with them, you know, on the field, although he was there on the sidelines that, you know, you say that, and you're right. You know, there's probably, if you're being honest with yourself as a Florida state fan, you're like, yeah, probably not going to win a national title playing this way. But you mentioned in the rap too, like Washington was on the ropes yeah. against Washington state, you know, whatever you want to say about the, the Michigan, Ohio state game, you can say, you know, I guess, you know, Georgia Tech put 10 points up in the fourth quarter. That game was kind of out of reach. But Alabama needed a fourth and goal from the 31-yard line prayer yeah. to win their game. So, like, if Florida, Florida State's going to probably make the playoff, they're probably going to be down 24-10 to 10 in that half, even in the semifinal. But you know what? I guarantee you, even though they'll be down by two scores at halftime, it's going to be a football game in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. Will they find a way to win that at that point, I don't know, but like they will find a way to get back into it. And that's a remarkable place to be at, considering where they were two years ago playing in that stadium against the interim coach. Yeah, and losing to a coachless team uh, two years ago. And then uh, obviously beating a team with a coach this time, a team trying to get to a bowl. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, look, I, I don't know 
because you do look around the country. I still think Georgia's the best team in the country, but, uh, they, you know, they didn't look great. They gave up well over 200 yards rushing to Georgia Tech. Um, and then Alabama had a miracle to win a game. Um, you know, you look at Washington, and they're still ranked ahead of Florida State, but they they barely beat a pretty mediocre Washington, a bad Washington State team at home. They barely beat an awful Arizona State team at home. Like, they've got some really ugly Stanford wins. as well. Yeah, they, they have not played well. I think they're almost a 10-point underdog against Oregon. Um, so the point being, just winning is hard, gang. It's just hard. And I, luckily next year this won't be nearly the conversation it, it has become this year about style points and winning ugly and who are your losses to and how bad did you beat this team and what did you look like. Just you've got to win games and you've got to stack wins on top of each other. It's really hard. So hard that, I don't know if you guys know this, but that was the sixth perfect season in Florida State history. They've been playing football since the 40s. And they've had, I think you guys are aware of this, some incredible football teams in their history. Perfect regular season or just season? Perfect regular season. So, you know, 79, they played 11 games. 96, they played 11 games. But they won those games. They were Mm. undefeated. Uh, This is the sixth time that's happened. Fourth time they've been 12 and 0, but sixth time overall they've they've uh, they've they've won all their regular season games. So it doesn't come around often. And to hammer that point home even further, Florida's never done it, mm. and they've been playing since I don't know since before the car was invented, <laughs> and they've never had a perfect season. So it's really hard to do. And look, man, I I don't predict them to go and hammer Louisville. Louisville's a good team. I just think it's that's a really cool win and a really cool moment because it's going to get so much harder from here. Louisville is much better than Florida, and if you're if you're able to get through Louisville, whoever you play at the beginning of January is going to be much better than Louisville. Like it ramps up, but man, what a cool season with some real adversity they they faced, including their starting quarterback getting knocked out. And I do think what 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 kind of what was bittersweet about that game on Saturday is it was awesome that they survived and they won and they found a way to win, and that's really something that should be celebrated. I just do think that if they had 13, man, that championship, the championship is wide open. Oh, yeah. It is wide open to go win. Yep. I mean, you looked at that Michigan-Ohio State game. Hey, weird. All of a sudden, those two defenses played an offense with a pulse. And they moved the ball. Isn't that something? They're not just a brick wall. They actually played guys with skill players on the other team, and all of a sudden the defenses look just pretty good, not insane. Uh, They don't – you know, I I told this story – I didn't tell it to you. I told it to a friend. So I'm driving home. Oh, I'm not a friend? No, no, I told it to another friend. I'm sorry. Not nearly as close or dear a friend as you. But um, I'm driving home Friday. I'm driving back from Atlanta after Thanksgiving on Friday, and I'm listening because – I'd rather do this than stick needles in my eyes, but I was listening to the Iowa-Nebraska game. <laughs> because Was that one I, of your picks, by the way? Uh, yes. but uh, And I had, think I had the over, and they killed me. It was looking great, Aslan. It was like 10 to 10, it was like 10, to 10 and a half. Um, the way those Iowa announcers, I was listening to the Iowa feed. By the way, Iowa's, Iowans grow corn, but corn grows Iowa too. What they do nice. with that corn grows the state. That's their little motto that I heard ten times during that game. Um, the way they talked about Chubba Purdy, they're like what the the color analyst was like. He must run a nine five hundred. 
Literally, that's what he said. And the announcer's like, he's got incredible takeoff speed. He's an insane athlete. And the guy kept saying, he's so fast, he must run under a 10-second hundred. And if and look, Chubba is a good athlete. I'm not disputing that. But doesn't that tell you what the Big Ten is all about and the athletes they're seeing? When, when they see a Chubba Purdy and can't believe something like this exists, the Big Ten, my point being, the Big Ten just has horrible offenses with not much skill except for two particular schools on offense. And they actually had to guard guys. So you look around the country, man, they can beat anyone, anyone with Jordan Travis. <laughs> I just don't know from what I saw on Saturday. And I want to get to the good of Tate because that's a cool win and that's a cool moment for him. That offense did not – if that offense is going to look like that against a horrible defense, I don't know what it's going to look like against a good one. And I just don't – I don't see them putting up enough points maybe to beat one of these teams that will, when they get in your red zone, score occasionally. Because they will put up points if they, if you let them dominate a quarter and a half against a good team, a really good team. You might have been down twenty one to nothing, after, or twenty three to nothing after the safety. Um, so that that's what concerns me. But I, that's for later on down the road, man. Yeah. That that's an awesome win. Saturday night was a great win, and there's nothing to apologize for. A rivalry win when you're down twelve nothing. Your quarterback, frankly, looks rattled. The whole team looked rattled. Your coach looked rattled. How yeah. about uh, let's get the plays in quicker, man? Quit with the delay of games. And if you're going to call a cool fake punt, make sure you snap it. You gave a, not only did the pay, the fake punt not count, you don't get to run it again yeah. this season because you just showed it. And the play clock had been at zero for two seconds. So, but in that moment, for them to come back twelve to nothing after that sack, after the sack, when it looked like Tate had like kind of no awareness at all. No real awareness with the position to not throw the ball. You, you have to get rid of the ball. You can't sit there and just let a rush bear down on you two steps into the end zone. Um, that's when I thought, okay, it's been an 11-1 season. It's still really it's still really an awesome season, but this game is probably over. And, no, I should have known better. Let's talk Tate then. Uh, that was the bad of it. Uh, I, there was a moment there where I thought we are going to have to do a live show with all the proceeds going to, you know, maybe some performance coaching for, for Tate and just like uh, a psychologist just to help him get through. It was going to probably be just an absolute miserable experience of having to process that loss. But he found he, he turned it on the second half. Um, you know, that drive where he started snapping off the ball to, to Jaheim, I think. And was that the same yeah. drive where he threw it to Johnny next to the corner of the end zone? That yeah, that was uh, – I believe that was the last drive of the second quarter. Okay. So right before half. That was a huge drive in that game. Yeah, him finding that – also, I guess, you know, maybe this is not a big play offense in terms of like downfield passing, but maybe it's just like a big play running attack offense. Seemingly like they're going to, you know, run 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage and do some crazy things. But then they're going to uh, them being Trey Benson is going to put five guys on his back and carry them into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Tate did enough, I guess. Uh Turn it on when it mattered. I mean, give us give us the good you thought of, of Tate's performance here because I get it, man. That floor defense statistically is very poor. They're playing a bunch of young guys, et cetera, et cetera. But man, rivalry games really are different. There is there is something different about these games that you, we cannot quantify. It's hard to to tangibly dis, to describe it. But man, it, there's something to playing in that into that arena. And he was able to kind of you know pull out some some big plays when they needed to to, to win the game. 
Yeah, you know, the good is that throw you mentioned to Bell down the seam. That Look, guys, that's that's the throws we're talking about when we talk about him having an NFL arm. Uh, that's a rocket down the seam, on time, right where it needs to be. He's just got an except, he's got exceptional arm talent. The throw to Johnny uh, down to the one where Johnny makes a great catch falling out of bounds, um, and, and he made a couple other really big-time throws to Johnny to keep drives alive on third down. That's the good stuff. Uh, you know, the bad stuff is the two delayed games. Uh, you know, he got sacked by a 500-pound man. Like, you, you, you can't have that happen. You've got to have a little more pocket awareness. Uh, that Now, th- we hope that comes with time. Um, and he's got, you know, he just got a game doing it. So, it's not like just because he didn't look at times like he was good in the pocket on Saturday doesn't mean he can't learn from it. Now, I know he's an old, he's an old guy. He's been here since 2020. But live reps matter. Like, the growing I think you do from 60 snaps in the swamp is probably comparable, Aslan, to, I bet, 500 snaps in practice. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. I don't know what the exact ratio is or the equation there, but you grow leaps and bounds just by living in the arena and doing it for real in a place like that. Um, so he's now had – he played one half against Louisville, and he played a full game against Florida. I'm going to say he's had – I guess we can count the North Alabama game, too, till it got out of hand. So we'll give him 30 snaps for that one. So he's played 120 real pressurized live snaps in the last two years of football. So uh, the equivalent of two games for Jordan Travis. So there is a lot of room to grow, even though he's old. This, this does not mean that he, this is who he is. He's going to take some steps. He's going to get better, you have to think. I just wonder, and this is what will be proven out, is – is the pocket awareness something that comes with the more you play, which I think it probably is, or is it something that you either have or you don't? Uh, because, again, it, it's not just the sack, which was bad enough. It was a couple of other sacks that you just can't take. You can't you can't let a, the, the number 21 wrap you up. I, you just can't. You've got to get out of that. You're too good an athlete to get out of, to, to have that happen to you. Um, and, I, and, you know, I thought some of the throws to Keon could have been better. Uh, down the He had a post that he – Kind of overshot him. It also looked like Keon stopped running a little bit. That but, one in the end zone, was that a drop? I mean, Felt look, kind of like a drop. I'll, I'll say this. Keon Coleman needs to make that catch. Okay. Yeah. Keon Coleman needs to make that catch. That's ball game right there. Correct. And I think I think Tate is probably thinking, that's a kind of a risky throw. It could be a 105-yard interception return if things work out a little differently. So I think he throws it up high to be safe. And I don't think he knew that Ke- when he threw it, I don't think he knew Keon was going to be that wide open, clearly. Yeah. Um, so he throws it a little high for safety, and it goes through Keon's hands. But, yes, if you want to be a first-round pick in the NFL, which I think Keon wants to and probably will be, will be, yeah, will be. Uh, you make that catch, man. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I also thought there were a couple of posts where he, where he overshot him. He didn't, he didn't kind of put it where he needed to. But overall, you know, not bad. <laughs> not bad. Not great. Not bad. Um, Does the whole, you know, as a team, you get better. You, you make your biggest improvement from week one to week two. Like, will any of that kind of hold for Tate, do you think? That, like, we'll see a kind of a, a unique sense of growth out of him that we'll never have really seen because he's never started back-to-back games. He's never started and finished a football game. He's done that. Now he's got another week to to really settle in. Yeah, I, that's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm curious to see. Now it'll be against a better defense, um, so that's 
you know, I don't know how you judge the two. Like, he might be better and put up better numbers, but it, it still might look choppy just because you're going up against a better defense. Like, if you go watch that Kentucky-Louisville uh, game, the, the highlights, the Devin Leary kid made some unbelievable throws. Like, that's another reason it felt, like, unlucky that Louisville lost that game because they, they had really good coverage. And he just put it in incredibly tight windows. Like, two of their touchdowns are just great throws. Great throws. Not guys running open, just great throws. But, yeah, I do think that that's what you want to see. That's what you that's what you have to see, right, to have the confidence that you want to have in him going into next year. Is This is the first time he's been the starting quarterback. He just won a huge game on the road with a lot of help from his friends, but he just won a huge game on the road. I want to see that growth. You want to see that growth um, right here, right now, in this moment. And if you do, then then yeah, you've got you've got real hope going into next uh, going into next season about your quarterback position. Because I'm just telling you, man, the good is really good. There weren't many. I think he completed 12 passes, and two of them were like little shovel passes to Jaheim. But uh, man, when he when he rips it and is on time. It's is it's it's really good. It looks really good and it's really sharp. It's just a matter of how how often he can do it and avoiding the bad plays, which again didn't turn the ball over. No, he did not. Which yeah. was which was huge in that game to not have a turnover. But he did get safety. But it's okay. It's okay. He did get safety. Thoughts on this core? I was thinking about when it came to Tate. It, it felt like when he was trying to process the the shorter intermediate stuff, there was more more. I don't want to say confusion, but it just it did not look nearly as kind of effortless is that that last drive of the second quarter where I guess maybe there's a little bit more urgency and like you're yeah. you're wanting to go downfield I know it's easy to say hey just take shots but like there's something just about the way Tate throws the ball like his mechanics that just feels like making him you know choke down and throw a five yard out as opposed to throwing like a 20 yard go isn't as much in his wheelhouse maybe Maybe they'll want to open things up downfield. Maybe that's something more natural he's inclined to doing. I mean, did you see anything uh, you thought that maybe he could do a little bit better at or he was a little bit more comfortable at that they should, uh, you know, emphasize for this next week? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I just, I'll answer that. My, and honestly, I don't, I don't know. I think that, you know, we talk about some of the throws he made. The throw to Ja'Kai is a huge throw. That's a fourth and three, three. I think. Yeah. Um, that's He is not open. Um, it, he's not thrown to a big window either because he's thrown to the smallest receiver on the team. Great catch from Ja'Kai in a really pinpoint throw from the quarterback in a, in a huge spot. I, and look, man, I, I think – let me get this out of the way first. Mike Norvell has completely changed our lives, Aslan. <laughs> he really has. He's changed your life. He's changed my life. He's changed most of our lives. Because of where we were, and now we're talking about a 12-0 football team with a chance to go to the playoff, it has been exceptional. He has been exceptional in turning this program around. And for the most part, he's been an exceptional offensive mind, an offensive game planner. Now, let's that, that that's out of the way. I don't think he did his quarterback a lot of favors on, on Saturday. I, I don't understand. Marvin Harrison is better than Keon Coleman. And Michigan has better a better defense than Ohio State. Or, or then sorry, Florida. Then Florida. Yeah. Well, I don't understand why you can't devise more ways to get Keon Coleman the ball. I just don't get it. I there's been a game where he had zero catches. I think Miami had two, and against Florida he had one. Hmm. Like you can't do this. You're you're mitigating the biggest 
mismatch you. Like the best player you have, when you have a quarterback that needs some help, your best player has one catch. I don't understand it. And they put him in I, I like the I like the formation where he was in the backfield and then he rolled out to the right. But why is it Tate throwing that to him immediately? Because if he throws it to him immediately on a little swing pass, he might go seventy yards. It's him and a safety one on one with it when Keon's got about a ten yard head of steam. Instead, Tate waits too long, or maybe that was the design of the play, I don't know, and then throws it too late where the kid comes in and deflects the pass, but you have Keon Coleman out there for 50 plays, and he touches the ball once. That's If you're going to beat Louisville, you can't do it like this. You're lucky you beat Florida and Miami with, with Keon Coleman having three catches total. He's targeted six times, apparently, for whatever that's yeah, worth. Yeah, and he drew and he drew a DPI, um, with a big play. But still, Marvin Harrison, against a much better defense, still had, what, six for 100 in a touchdown? Like, they find ways to get him the ball. Yeah. Why can't you find ways to get your guy the ball more consistently than this? Um, that that's what I, I don't quite under I don't quite understand that. Um, but you know, again, I I, I I gave the big caveat that Mike Norvell has been awesome. Uh, that that has been a that has been something that if they want to have any chance of winning on Saturday and then perhaps winning a game or two post January first or post New Year's Eve, Keon Coleman just has to be a factor, man. Just what, what's the point? He had one more catch than Kintron. He had one more catch than Destin Hill. He's Keon effing Coleman. Get him the ball. Figure, throw it. He needs to have eight catches for 120 against Louisville. And you can say, oh, they're going to shade this. What is Michigan doing? They're not giving Marvin Harris attention? I bet they did. And he, they still Ohio State, with not a very good quarterback, in my opinion, Still found a way to get that guy the ball and get him involved and get him a touchdown and get him 100 yards receiving. So, I don't know. I'd like to see that that change. I'd like to see Tate helped out more by his really good wide receivers. Uh, but, it, not, and Johnny had a very good game. I shouldn't – I shouldn't. Uh, yeah, six I, catches. I yeah, and I think five were for first downs. Uh, one got – essentially got him a touchdown because he got to the one. So, uh, yeah, but I'd like to see as they move forward, figure out a way to get four involved. You, you can't – Number one, you know, if it comes down to uh, I'm a, my son is the number one player in the country as a wide receiver, I want to, I want to, you know, I would if Brady Clark was the number one wide receiver in the country, I'd be on the phone with with Atkins or Norvell before signing day, being like, look, I want to come there. I love your program. I love what you're doing, but I also want my son to not have go a month and have four catches. When I see this other school, when they have a star receiver. They catch nine passes a game. Uh, but, hey, that sounds like Corey Clark complaining <laughs> after Florida State just went 12-0. and 0. So I'm going to nip that in the bud, uh, nip that in the bud right there. Uh, um, I, I think Tate, you did not see the best of Tate, clearly. Hmm. I think he was, he was rattled a little bit early. I don't think you could debate that. But as the game wore on, he seemed more and more comfortable. And I did like there were a couple of times where you could tell his first read wasn't open. And he settled in and made a really strong throw for a second read. A couple of those third down throws to Johnny were big time, um, big time throws. The the one rolling to his left was a third down conversion that got him down to the one. That's a great throw. He's got all the arm talent you need. Playing quarterback is so much more than that, though. And it's how quick you process, how quick you see things and get rid of the ball. That comes with experience. He just had 60 plays of experience um, that should really help him moving forward. 
Experience life in a whole different way. Vitamin Energy. VitaminEnergy.com. Promo code WordChampBogo. WordChampBogo. This one little shot, 1.93 fluid ounces, contains 260 milligrams of all natural caffeine. There's no sugar. So don't worry about having like a sugar crash, having jitters, things of that nature. Uh, the Workout Plus is what we take on Mondays here at the Midtown offices. The number one pre-workout on the market also has, obviously, Arginine in here, giving you a little extra oomph, a little extra pump you feel coming out of the gym, a little more vascularity, a little more veins. My arm starts looking like Rand and McNally Atlas, like a road map, like all these roads, interstates, intersecting along my forearms, my biceps. Feels good. Feels strong. Feel good, everybody. Maybe the Mood Plus. Maybe I actually took the Mood Plus today. Maybe it isn't the Workout Plus that's getting me going. But you can try it all. There's variety packs. Try it. You'll like it. Shake it and take it. One use. The Warchamp BOGO. Buy one, get one free. So go big when you put your purchase in so you can maximize the free items you get. World's first and only clinically proven energy shot. Vitaminergy.com. Promo code Warchamp BOGO. B-O-G-O. Shake it and take it. When did Vitamin Energy jump on board, Aslan? To the wake up war chant train that is gaining steam like exponentially every day. April ish of last year, like April. I mean, maybe before Keon arrived. I think that might have been the, the final thing that kind of got the good juju going around. So here. I was going to say, they're undefeated. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In corner pocket, let's not. I mean, they, corner pockets won 18 straight. Hmm. But vitamin energy is. Vitamin energy has never experienced a loss. Sterling. So that's cool to see. That, that might have been the. Uh, the chain, those two combined, Corner Pocket and Vitamin Energy, might have been what finally got this program over the top. Knowles helping Knowles. Check him on out. This defense, we talked about it too quickly. Um, I mean, I, I like the question you asked Norvell after the game on Saturday about, you know, was that Jared versus best game at, at Florida State? Uh, what we thought this defense could be, I think so much of it hinged on what we thought Jared versus Patrick Payton were going to create for you, having those two guys on the edge and the amount of disruption and chaos uh, they would be able to create seemingly every down every single week. Maybe it hasn't, you know, to Norvell's sort of defense where he keeps talking about the numbers lie and don't tell the full story. I'm sure Jared verse probably was hoping he'd have more sacks, more TFLs than he had going into that game. But to see those two guys close the game out the way they did, Patrick Payton and Jared verse. Uh, were those the two biggest, best performances from the defense you thought on Saturday? Uh, no, I, I thought Akeem Dent uh, played maybe his best game of his career. It, oh. It's not just the sack that was – I mean, I don't even want to get into it. We've talked about it enough on our channel, but uh, it was uh, – and I've written about it already. But Do we still know what ha was flagged on that? Could it have been something else? Uh, no, no, it was unnecessary. So when it was initially called, I thought he was calling targeting. Because his face mask got close to the face mask, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, it wasn't targeting, so they'll pick up the flag. It'll be fourth and goal from the 22 or 20, and they're going to settle for a field goal. That's what I and I and I don't mind that. When in doubt, assume that it's targeting. I guess that's the rule of thumb. Throw the if it's close, and then you the replay uh, official will tell you yay or nay. No, he just called unnecessary roughness for tackling a kid that is at least four inches taller than him and probably 20 pounds heavier. He he shoulder-padded him in the chest and brought him down on a perfectly timed blitz, and he was called for a penalty, which gave Florida their only touchdown, by the way. Just want to point that out. Um, that was a four-point swing. Uh, they earned 11 points, uh, and not 15. That was, that was their only touchdown. And 
but yeah, so but going to the deep, so it was a horrible call. So they really, Florida State should have gone, gone the whole game without allowing a touchdown in the swamp, uh, which is exceptional. But let's get the bad out of the way first. Get off the field. It's incredible. Aslan, Florida ran 26 plays by the time Florida State ran its fourth. <laughs> Florida State had three plays in the first quarter, and one of them was Trey Benson running back and forth like he's playing Tecmo Bowl. You ran three plays in a game in a quarter because your defense couldn't get off the field, but didn't give up huge plays. A couple of the throws are just really nice throws, man. The kid made some really good throws early, um, and you know, obviously the dent play didn't help either. But you get you, you they had two straight thirteen play drives that swallowed over seven minutes off the clock. Like literally, they had the ball fourteen minutes of the first quarter. Don't do that. Get off the field quicker, gang. But after those two drives, they took over the game. And one of the maybe the sneakiest big play of the game was after the safety, and then a a horrible free kick that I I don't even quite understand what. If Fitzgerald took it, I think, um, and it should have been Mastromano punting. I, I admit I was looking down at my computer when he caught the return, but I don't know why Mastromano didn't punt that or punt it better. I think Fitzgerald kicked it, but anyway, so they just sack you. Your quarterback looks like we said, rattled. The offense looks horrible. The defense has just given up two straight 13-play drives, and now Florida has the ball at your 46. Uh, this also comes after the fake punt that didn't count. Mastromato punting one into the 10th row. It <laughs> was a 15-yard punt, his worst punt maybe of his career. Florida getting the ball at your own 40. Now they've got the ball at your 46, and it's, they're already up 12-0 to with five minutes to go in the, in the first half. The first play, they try to run a trick play, a reverse pitch it back to Brown. And Fisk and Farmer diagnose it out, beat their blocks, and force an intentional grounding. And that changed the game. They went from possibly going up 15 to 19 to nothing to having to punt a couple of plays later from their side of the field. So you get the ball. I mean, you didn't get the ball in great field position. You didn't have great field position the whole night until the game was over. But you got the ball at your 10 because Keon caught it. You got the ball at the 10. If they don't, if if Florida hits that play, or even if it's just second and ten, they still have the ball at your forty-six with five minutes to go, and who knows how that game goes. But that intentional grounding, making it second and twenty-three or whatever it was, completely changed the game. And after that play, I thought the defense played better than it had all year. I thought the defensive line was exceptional. They gave up one run right before half, inexplicably, uh, when the, when. Florida was trying to run out the clock, very similar to the LSU game. But after that, man, I just thought the defense, that's as well as they can play. That kid was completely rattled. But you know how I complained about giving Castellanos those easy layup passes early? And they did a little bit with Klubnik, too. That did not happen on Saturday. He had a couple, he had one or two easy completions to start the game, but in the second half, he must have thought there were 15 Florida State players on defense, mm-hmm. and there must have been three number fives because Jared Burse was everywhere. If he wasn't sacking him, he was hitting him as he threw it or he was forcing an incompletion. I just thought the whole defensive line played great. Fisk, uh, Lovett, when he was in there, played really well. Peyton had some huge plays down the stretch. But Jared Burse, that was an All-American game when they absolutely needed it from him. How about the uh, the play? I thought Renardo uh, was gutted it out. I mean, I don't know how he graded, but just the fact that he was able to be out there for some of those snaps yeah. uh, was, was really big Most for them. Most of the snaps. I think he only took like seven or eight plays off, yeah. Yeah, it looks like pulled it up now. 49 of the 63. I mean, they only, they, oh, okay. 
They had 23 guys playing that game, but I mean, to the whole point of, you know, I think even if they get themselves in an early hole, this defense and, you know, allow 20 points and a half, I just, the, the, the track record now from the LSU game to this point is that in the second half, they just figure out ways to clamp down on these teams and, you can say, well, hey, they're not playing the greatest offenses. They're playing backup quarterbacks, but Jaden Daniels is probably going to New York. He's probably going to win the yeah. Heisman, and they did that to him as well. Um, I think Bo Nix. I think Bo is going to win the Heisman. You think? I think so. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, especially if they beat Washington. Oh, especially and he looks if they're doing it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But it, it's just so weird because I, I don't know if it's because they haven't played like these elite, elite offenses. But I don't know how many elite offenses there really are in the country. But it's just been so weird to. I've been hesitant to put my arms around this defense and really genuinely be like, yeah, man, they're they're great. They're borderline elite, but, it, it, you know, what's to hold you back from saying that at this point, Corey? You know, not you, but just the, the royal you. Right. I, there isn't anything. Uh, look, man, they've given up. Just go through it. They gave up, what they give up, 20 points to LSU when the game still mattered? What was the final of that game? They gave up 17 points. 45, 23 or Four, yeah. yeah. So they gave up 17 points when the game still mattered to LSU, who puts up 40 on all those big, bad defenses in the SEC. Texas A&M has a very good defense with more talent than Florida State. And LSU put up 42 on them. Um, they put up 40 on everyone. They were going to put up 40 on Bama if Jaden Daniels had, had stayed in the game. And they had three points after the second half until uh, the final play of the game, essentially, when, when all the backups were in, the third stringers. Then you look at Clemson. Clemson, seven points in the second half. Duke, I don't know, seven points in the second half with Riley Leonard. I, and I think – I can't remember how they scored. Those games all seem so pick, long There's ago. a pick six, I know, in the Duke game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so yeah, they, they, they gave up 13 to Duke. They gave up, I guess, 24 to Clemson is the most anybody scored on them. Uh, was was the twenty four the Clemson scored, and I feel like there was something there that I'm not thinking of where they got an easy they got an easy score because of the offense, but and they also outscored Clemson, or scored as much as Clemson in the second half. Mm. Um, so they they've done it all year, man. You you know Pittsburgh they gave up seven, Miami they gave up, uh, you know essentially, well twenty I guess, but third seven was just ridiculous. <laughs> but so you you go around they scored they gave up fifteen in this game and. Three and the touchdown came when the Florida got the ball at Florida State's forty yard line. Well, thirteen because of the safety, but yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's just it's ex, it's exceptional what they've done, and I want people to understand that I, I'm not I'm not saying this team this defense can carry this team to a national championship. I just, I'm not saying that, but this defense is a bigger reason, maybe bigger, quite honestly, for them being twelve and zero. Absolutely. Than the, than the offense. I mean, it has been – because we knew the offense was going to be good, and it's been good. It's been great in stretches. But it, it, just like Flo the, the defense has had a few hiccups here and there, especially early the Boston College game happened. The Clemson first half happened. But when it has mattered, and really since the late September, I don't know if there's been five defenses in the country better than this one. And, yes, you can point to the offenses not being great that they played. I get it. Pitt is horrible. Duke didn't have a good offense, and they, they they should have been playing a backup quarterback. Florida and Miami did play backup quarterbacks. So Although Wake, Miami, well, no, Wake had Mitch Griffiths. He was back, but Wake is horrible. They're the, Wake's not any good, and Miami chose to play their backup quarterback. Tyler Van Dyke could have played yeah. and probably should have played yeah. um, in hindsight, but he didn't, and they <laughs> lost because of it. So this defense has done everything you asked it to do. We said before the season that if this defense could just be good, not exceptional, 
if it could just be good, they would probably win all their games or come close to winning all their games. Well, the defense has over-delivered. The defense has been even better than I thought good would look like. So that's awesome. That's just awesome. I don't. I really don't care. I want them to win an ACC championship. I think it would be really cool. The thought of this team with a backup quarterback and an offense that seems to have plateaued right now anyway, and let's be honest, an offense that hit a couple of huge runs, but they're not going to, they're not going to make life easy for a quarterback by establishing a true running game. That's not going to happen. So as you'll see in the Louisville game, it's going to be hard to run. Benson might hit a 40-yarder, but it could be a lot of 0, 1, and 2-yarders um, or negative 11, whatever happens. But with a with a backup quarterback and no real running game, not a, not a great running game anyway, you know, the, the end of the line is probably sooner rather than later, folks. I don't care about that right now. I think it's awesome that they're 12-0, and 0, and I really want them to win – the ACC championship. I think this team deserves a trophy. It's been great. It would be a really cool moment to, to win an ACC championship, especially after just the board of trustees meeting in August. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that would be awesome to just be like, yep, we called it out. We called our shot. We told you we were the best program in the, in the conference. We told you we mattered more than anybody else. And here you go. 13 and zero. that would be, that would just be incredible. That would be great. Uh, but if that happens or doesn't happen, what an awesome season for Adam Fuller in the defense. For the program as a whole, sure. But Adam Fuller in that defense, that unit, has been exceptional. No matter what happens the rest of the way. They're a enormous reason that Florida State is 12-0. and They're like a top 10, 12 defense in the country. That's great. 20th in yards allowed, 315 yards a game. 11th in points allowed, 16.8. And remember, two of those... So 12 of those, 14 of those points were the offense. You had the Toa Feely fumble that was returned for a touchdown. You had a pick six that was returned for a touchdown. Or obviously, it's a pick six, so of course it was. Um, so when you take that into account, they're, they're giving up like under 16 points a game. That's incredible. When you think about what we saw, when you, when you go back and rewind in your mind's eye to Louisville, this same Louisville team you're about to play, putting up 31 and a half against you. September of 2021, and it looking like the program was on fire. It could never get back to what you wanted it to be. The defense was awful. Uh, the program was in a just a malaise, stuck in molasses. And then here you go, two years later, you're going to play Louisville again. You are 12-0, and and you have one of the best defenses in the United States. That's cool, mm. man. What a cool mm. progression. MyBookie.ag, promo code WARCHANT, 110% cash deposit bonus so elite they will not advertise it elsewhere only here on the pod so uh, use that if you're trying to make your holidays a little bit more interesting uh, one more week left in the competition between Corey and myself uh, Corey swung for the fences came up short in his picks yep. uh, Georgia was not able to cover against Georgia Tech um, although wait did you did you take the over yeah we should have given you I'll almost give you partial credit because you did say the Virginia Tech was going to hammer Virginia, and they oh, did. I, I, hey, so. I don't need any pity. Okay, Aslan. all right. Well, I want people to know that if they've been betting, if they've been taking my bets but betting the opposite of me all year, they'd be eight and you four. You would be in the money. You'd, you'd be, be hitting like eighty percent. Yeah, you'd be eight and four. So, oh, is that what it is? So I'm I'm four and eight. Yikes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I split uh, Texas. Uh, maybe Texas is back. They did not have it close. I thought Texas Tech was going to keep it within thirteen and a half point spread. They did not. 
But shout out to the Tigers of Auburn, mm, the War Eagles. Unbelievable. I can I mean, you almost won it outright, but you allowed fourth and goal from the 31-yard line. And Corey tweeted out, I can't believe they they, they did rush three. They didn't rush two. They rushed three. The other guy wasn't even rushing, though. Uh, well, But he, was, he wasn't he was in coverage, though. So it's, I, I, He was like a spy. That's I, what I did. It looked like he wasn't even trying to get. He was just like uh, playing like the mirror game with Milrow. You go there, I go there. You go there. But he wasn't. He wasn't trying to rush. It didn't make sense. Yeah. Anyhow, I do what I do. I go 500 again, so I'm still mm. 500 on the year. We'll lay out our championship. We're going to do all the big Power 5 game championships uh, in this last hoorah. Okay. Um, maybe a bowl game or two, but you do all you want over at mybookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Use the promo code WARCHANT. Corey, Twitter was telling me last week, maybe the last two weeks, Texas A&M, top 10 job, tell me it's not. Yeah, yeah. I think Mark Stoops has told you all that it's not. Yep. yep. What He he turned it down. Yep. What? Yep. Left, uh, he would rather be at Kentucky than Texas a Look, I, I said this to uh, Stephanie as we were driving back. She's like, does that mean Norvell is still in play? And I'm like, I, no, I don't. I mean, yeah, technically, they could be so embarrassed by this, they're going to go offer somebody $20 million a year to coach. Whatever, man, just whatever. But I'm still of the opinion, and her point was, Norvell's already got uh, all the money that he would ever use. Wouldn't you rather stay somewhere where you built it up and actually have a chance of winning? Uh, to my reply would be, yeah, most sane people would. I legitimately think there's one person on this earth that would leave Florida State for that job. And A&M just happened to find them. Good for them. It worked out great for everyone. They're All those championships they're polishing from the last six years. But, yeah, Texas A&M is you, – you have all the pressure of Texas with none of the accomplishments. And none of the uh, – none of the – they just don't win. They're a, they're a perennial seven to eight win team. But they have all the resources though, which is where where's the disconnect there then? You know, I mean they they couldn't do with an offensive minded coach. They couldn't do with Kevin Sumlin. They couldn't do with Jimbo. So I'm I'm assuming they're like, well, let's just build a really good defense, have a defensive first mindset, hire a good OC, and then keep our fingers crossed. So we'll go after Mark Soups. Maybe now they go to Mike Elko. But I just I I, I don't get I I get now. Leaving Florida State for A and M, stupid move, Jimbo. Obviously, but clearly, but Kentucky, man. Well, what how about this? Doing, like, I, the I would say, look, he gets paid a lot. Kentucky's ponied up for Mark Stoops, uh, so he get he gets paid a similar in a similar range. And would you rather live in Lexington and deal with Kentucky football fans, or live in College Station and deal with what, frankly, should be a Netflix six part documentary on whatever's going on in College Station? The people, the fandom, the dog, the boots, the tumbleweed, the male cheerleaders slapping their knees, the the yell crowd. It's yell all leaders, weird. The yell the leaders. Yell le- it's just yeah. weird, man. It is a weird place. And I think Mark Stoops made a rational decision. Don't go chase a few extra million dollars. Easy for me to say. I get it. But when you have tens of millions in the bank anyway, at some point happiness matters. And he's also going to an, a team that he's going to a job that's not any better. A&M and Kentucky are the same team. They're the same program. It always will be. A&M might care more, but it, it's never, ever, ever been reflected in the actual record.
I, I feel I know I feel like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth where it's like, you know, AM doesn't win, you can't probably win there. But at the same time, if you're Mark Soups, you want to know like, can I win a national title? I know I can't do it in Lexington. <laughs> don't but like Kentucky. But yeah, can, you can't A and M either. Yeah. Clearly. Also the thing I don't if you did win at A and M. I still don't think you're like a legend forever. Like you're a legend forever, maybe around there, but I don't think like nationally, like Mac Brown, I still think has a little bit of swag to him because he won at Texas. Like he was finally the guy that got Texas back. Like Pete Carroll might still have some of that because he got Southern Cal finally back. If you win it all at AM, I think you become Gene Chiswick, right? Like you've got, you'll have that one year, you probably flame out two years later, and then you're forgotten about, and you're just called a bum. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, who knows? We have no way to know, do we? <laughs> we have no way to know. I know who R.C. Slocum is. He put together R. some good, R. C. Yeah, he put together some good teams. He but did. He uh, did. B- but never, I don't think, came close to winning a championship. So, um, but, you know, yeah, who who knows how they would be viewed in, in A&M because it's never happened. Um, I, I think so. Kansas, did Kansas State beat the, I know Kansas State beat Oklahoma and ruined, almost ruined their chances of a national title one year, but they still no, made it. No, it's the other way around. In 98, uh, Texas A&M knocked off Kansas State uh, in the Big 12 championship game that freed the way for uh, Florida State to go play Tennessee in the Fiesta Bowl with Marcus Outson. And it did not work out for the Knowles, but still, I think Florida State fans have, have a little sympathy or, or, or gratitude towards A&M for that. For, Sir Parker was the uh, running back that I think scored the, uh, the the game-winning touchdown there for the Aggies in the in the Big 12 championship game. But, but yeah, the A&M just never does anything and never has done anything. Um, and, it, it look, the goofy season is starting. Uh, there were four or five other coaches that were let go on Sunday before we even recorded this. Dana Holgerson out uh, from Houston. Yeah. Uh, Boise State's got an opening. Yeah, Tom Obviously. Allen from Indiana got booted. Yeah. Yeah. And is owed a lot of money. Uh, which is crazy. A lot of, as it turns out, Aslan, what happened in the COVID year should have been looked at more than John DeStye. And I'm looking at you, College Station, and I'm looking at you, Bloomington, and in Fayetteville, East Lansing. Like all, all the yeah, all these teams that had really good year in that bizarre season. Maybe you should have pumped the brakes on how how important or how um, I don't know telling how how much that really mattered and how how you know because it was such a goofy year that you couldn't really, in, in such a weird sample size, that you couldn't make any declarations, or shouldn't have anyway, based on what happened in, in 2020, because a lot of guys that got a lot of bonuses and, and extensions for winning games in 2020 are now out of jobs or uh, should be out of jobs in the case of Sam Pittman. Oh, yeah, Sam Pittman. That's crazy. He kept it. He held on. Um, well, apparently they might be the money they would have had to pay him to buy him out they're going to put into a collective to get him better players. No. That's kind of where we're going. And I think that's an interesting thing to discuss as we get into after after the season's over is like, you know, Indiana should Indiana's going to pay Indiana football folks <laughs> is going to pay somebody 21 million dollars to go away. Yeah. Would you would the boosters not rather say, "Look, instead of us having to cut this guy a check, for $21 million to not coach. How about we take, I don't know, $8 million of that money and go see if we can buy the best offensive line in the Big Ten or the best offensive best offensive and defensive line in the country. Like, I feel like, I feel like that might be the direction college football is going. 
we're not giving you these huge buyouts anymore, man. We're not firing to make you go away. We're going to – the money that we have to spend – You're stuck with us, baby. Yeah, you are stuck here. <laughs> we're stuck and we're going you. to give you real players because we're not going to spend $20 million to get rid of you when we can use that money to go actually get the people that matter, i.e. the players. Uh, it's just such a broken, weird sport right it, now. It's like that's going to create true parity, right? Like you're yes. down, you're down, but then you have to invest all this money to not fire your coach. So then you're going to spend all this money and then get better players, and you're going to have a better season. And, and then, then maybe, like, and then you'll give him a hundred million dollar extension <laughs> with with no buyout if he leaves, because the ads and presidents keep hitting this stuff out of the park. Jimmy Sexton just keeps uh, playing the okie doke with him. Uh, so yeah, no, that, I think that I thought that was funny that like we heard all along about how great a a job a and M had turned into this great job, and it's like guys, you were viewing it through the lens of some dumb dumb. Love you, Jimbo. Thirteen was awesome. Leaving Florida State for a and M that does not mean that a and M is a destination job for great coaches. It has never been and will never be. Some you, you just you're a and M man, and now Texas is coming into the conference. So the recruiting advantage you might have had is over because the big boy is joining your conference. So good luck. And Stu, I think Stoops was smart not to take it because he's he's making a, a boatload of money at Kentucky anyway. Yeah, the Mississippi State job also came open, and I think there seems like uh, Oklahoma's OC, Jeff Levy, is kind of the odds-on favorite to take that job. All right. What about in Syracuse is open? So we got a job in the, in the yeah. ACC that's open? And I think Feldman put Fuller as one of the like five, six names uh, being possibly bandied about in the okay. orange circle. So we'll see how that goes. What happens first? Do you think Jimbo lands somewhere else or Florida ends up with a new head football coach? Yeah, that wasn't great. Um, that was not a great showing by him. It's not been a great year. Uh, his press conferences are a disaster. Uh, like Miami's PR, kind of PR standpoint. Miami might be might be onto something. I don't know, like what Florida at all hangs their hat on. It just and I was thinking about it as I was looking at their. Uh, I, again, I I know we want to rip Florida on this show, and and uh, and and I always have fun doing that. That is an incredible atmosphere at, at night. For a five and six football team, I know they're they're trying to wreck their rival season. I that is just an impossibly impressive performance by their fans. Um, but when I was looking around that stadium and you see their national champions, all of a sudden I know we've been making fun of Miami for a long time. <laughs> Two thousand eight was a long time ago too. <laughs> like that was it's, we're up to fifteen years now uh, since they won a national championship, and they like I said they've never had a perfect regular season. You know, Miami was 01. It's only seven years after that. I know you can listen to this and say, well, yeah, Florida State was 2013. Quit bringing up old stuff, by the way. But also, uh, you know, Florida State is currently 12-0, and and the owners of an 18-game winning streak. So they've, they matter again. It's been a long time since Florida mattered. And it's been a really long time since my, but it just, it was kind of a stark reminder, man. Like, it, 2000, it just, some, and part of me thinks like, damn, that wasn't that long ago. It's just a, it was, it was a generation ago. Fifteen years ago, uh, Tate Rodemaker was five years old when when Florida was was good and relevant in college football. So that's uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, I you look at that program and what's happened to it. You're now on what? what I know I keep doing this every time after fourth, Urban. I think the fourth, fourth guy because they must champ McIlwain, Mullen, Napier, and he don't look any better than the previous three, does he? Nope. So. 
Yeah, I, I get it. Florida fans are like, and also he's such a disaster in those press conferences. He's very defensive. Uh, he 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 goes after reporters. Um, one of the reporters asked him about the undisciplinary stuff in the fourth quarter, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" Just being completely defiant. Uh, how about the game-changing target double targeting call? That's probably what the reporter was talking about. Because he really. was going to be short, right? I mean, my perception. He's going to be short by four yards. Yeah. And in that moment, we were talking about it. There's no way Norbell – you're up 17-15 to 15 with five minutes to go. Their offense has done – had one drive in the last hour and a half. There's no way Norbell can go for it there when you're only up two. Because, number one, your offense isn't lights out. You've got to try to pin them inside the 10 and make that quarterback go. But the point being, I think – I don't think Florida State was going to – even Norbell wasn't going to go for it in that spot. I think he was going to punt it. And they went ahead and gave Florida State a first down that ended up uh, – you know, by the time they got the ball back, they were down nine points. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, that I that's – they seem to be in trouble there. It can flip quickly. We get it, especially in this day and age of college football. But that coach has – I think he's absolutely lost that fan base. I think he's completely unlikable. I think that team is unlikable. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. I, I assume he gets at least one more year, but he's going into next year on the hottest of seats. Mm-hmm. And his his decorum in these press conferences, and people might hear that and go, well, what are you, you're a media guy. Most people don't care about press conferences. You're just a media guy that does, and I, I don't oh. believe that. The Arkansas fans do. Apparently Sam Pittman says, I don't know a lot, like in a very churlish, dismissive way. Like they'll ask him like a legitimate, honest question. Like, I don't know. And they're over it. The fan, the fan right. base, not the writers, and, the fan base. And I think the fans are over Napier being so defensive and going after reporters are are not wanting to explain his answers because, man, you haven't built up any goodwill. If Urban Meyer in 09 wanted to mock a reporter, good. Good for him. He's won some stuff. You haven't won anything, and you're mocking, and your team is coached terribly and completely undisciplined. You have no friends. Nobody's got your back. Like if Norvell attacked one of us at a press conference for asking a question – 95% of Florida State fans would have their back. Well, I hope if it was me, everyone, I hope it'd be split down the middle. Yeah. You guys love me. Uh, but 95% of the fans would have Norvell's back. Like, you tell him, Mike. 99. These media guys. Yeah, these, yeah you're right. Yeah. These media guys trying to start stuff, you let them know. Right. Napier don't have that. He hasn't <laughs> earned any of that. Most people are with the journalists because they should be. And what everybody has to understand is when, when we're doing these interviews, we're asking questions for the fans. He's talking to you guys. He's not talking to us. He's talking to you guys. And he has to explain what's going on in decision-making. That's what the that's what it, it's there for. It's not just so a, a, a middle-aged, balding guy can talk to, a, I guess, a pretty attractive 40-year-old head coach. That's from <laughs> Stephanie's point of view, by the way. Um, it's, it's so you guys can know what he's thinking. And it, he's explaining decision-making and thought processes to you, not to us. We're like the we're we're the conduit, we're, we're the platform he uses. But he's speaking to you. Napier doesn't seem to get that at all. Norvell has gotten it since he got here. Napier just does not seem to under understand that at all. But that's already too much time spent uh, here on Wake Up Gators, talking about <laughs> talking about uh, that dysfunctional program. Well, you know, enemy my enemy stuff, or whatever. We have to we have to enjoy. You know, I was saying we have to enjoy them while they're down because you know, being of my vintage, like you know, we de- I dealt with Spurrier. Growing up, I dealt with Urban Meyer, not when I was, I mean, towards the end of my college run. Um, but, like, this is kind of what they've been, though. So, it's like you enjoy their downfall. But, I mean, they're 
the downfall is over. Like they're down. Like, yeah, and they've been hanging out there for a while. It's all. It's almost like Spurrier and Urban were the anomalies, mm. because now you're talking about you go through the history of that program, starting at least since I've known it since the '80s, where they had Galen Hall, Charlie Pell. I guess I, I think I think Galen Hall had him number one in the country, but that's because they were cheating their ass off. Um, so Spurrier was a great coach. Urban Meyer was a great coach. I guess Zook's terrible. McIlwain's terrible. Um, Muschamp's terrible. Now Billy Napier is terrible. I know I'm missing one. Mullen wasn't forget. crazy. Mullen, Mullen wasn't that bad, but like You're they, right. they didn't like Mullen. But he was unlikable. They didn't like him, so like we're gonna get rid of him. And they right. got Billy and, Napier. And, right, which it doesn't seem like they traded up at all, does it? No. Uh, but they just they they've hired some weird, unlikable dudes. Very weird and unlikable. But I I think that maybe when you look at the program, maybe I I thought there there are certain programs that I always thought were kind of. Um, not independent of coaches, there's still a very as long as you're not incompetent, these programs will be good. Like Texas, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Florida State. I might be wrong. I've always, I guess, I'm wrong. Like LSU, because Florida now has out of their last six hires, five have been awful. Uh, uh, Mullen was okay, but the other ones have been mediocre to awful. So maybe the program isn't what we thought it was. Meanwhile, Florida State, they've had four coaches in the last 50 years. Three of them have had winning streaks of at least 17 games. Two two have won national championships. All three have had undefeated regular seasons. Florida's had none of that. Well, the undefeated regular seasons I'm talking about. So maybe Florida State is the one where if if you're good at your job, you don't have to be incredible. You don't have to be Newt Rockney or Hall of Famer. But if you're good at your job, Florida State is going to be good. If you're horrible at your job, it doesn't matter how good Florida State is as a brand. You're going to wreck it. So, I don't know. I don't know the point of saying all that. I just think it's interesting that Florida's been bad for, uh, for, for you know, mediocre, let's say, for 15 years. What's the opposite of mediocre, Corey? Great. Like, okay. What are you, you mean? Are you comfortable saying that you're, you're great, just a great man, like maybe a renaissance man? Mm. Your wit? Uh, oh, your your re- going? your recall when it comes all things sports and all things near and dear to your heart and life, uh, just how talented you are as a writer, like not only just the pros and just the way you're able to craft a story and bring us into into a game and to where you're at and paint it so illustratively, but do it so fast, right? But then to be able to sing, well, that's but, true. But that then takes to be able to a, sing, I'm like a, a quintuple threat. You know, obviously, you haven't even seen me dance yet. I haven't. Well, that's the wedding. The wedding's coming up. But that's right. That's right. What was going through your mind? Um, I mean, was any part of you in the early stage of the Florida game thing? Well, at least I'm not going to have to sing Seminole Wind on that field in the rain, in the cold after this. Um, or were you like, gosh darn it, I, I kind of want to. I want to flex my pipes. I want to. I, I want to audition for Idol right now. You crushed well, look, it. It was incredible. Well, and here's the thing. Go Aslan. listen to the rap, everybody. The last. Let watch the whole thing, but especially the last twenty seconds. Yeah, so and for the, those that are listening, new listeners, I guess Aslan says I did this. I truly don't remember it, 
But I said if they went 12-0, and 0, I would sing Seminole Wind on uh, Florida Field after the Steve game. Steve Spurrier Field is what you said. You call it Steve Spurrier Field. Oh, did I? When yeah. Was that Was that in August? It was like a pre, It was one of the preseason mailbags. It might even have been August. It might have been like July where we're just getting exhausted with all these, like, what's going to happen? How good right. are they going to be? Like, listen, if they're 12-0, and 0, who knows? You know, maybe they can win all their games. And if they are, I'll sing Seminole Wind on Steve Spurrier Field. Yeah, so if you're asking me if I'm nervous, look, that's like saying – you know, hey, Reggie Miller, are you nervous there's going to be a lot of people in the stands watching you shoot? No, you trust who you are in the moment. And I know no matter what the venue is, where I'm at, if people are watching or not, uh, if there's going to be a lot of people watching on video, I know I can sing. Hmm. So I, at more, more than anything, I just want to go show off, Aslan. Okay. So what am I going to sing if they beat Louisville and Charlotte? Is there a Louisville song I should sing? Is Jack Harlow, should I learn like a Jack Harlow rap? <laughs> That's what I'll do. No, I will not do that because that would I would not let that ever see the air the the light of day if I if I actually tried to rap. Um, so yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do if they beat Charlotte. I should do something. I should make an impossible um, de- a, a promise if they win the national championship. Like, what am I going to do in Houston if they win the national championship? Get on a plane and fly back to Tallahassee. No, I'm never. I would never go that far. Um, yeah, but I'll, I'll think of that. You guys can spitball some ideas. If they're in Houston winning a national championship, I'll – me and Aslan, it's not just me. I'm not just a clown. We're clowns together. You and I will do something on the field on Reli- at Reliance Stadium. I think that's the name of it. No, if, it's like something. It's like a state – it's like energy. Maybe it's an energy stadium now. Hey, if I call it Reliance Stadium, right. it's Reliance Stadium. It's still Reliance Stadium to me, gosh darn yep, it. Yep, that's a – hey. Um, so – yeah, I'll do. We'll do something. Aslan and I will do something if they win the national championship. And you, so I feel like we know it to all of you guys. Uh, but the one thing I regret, Aslan, in that war chant rap, is I should I should have set it up just like I set it up then. It kind of came out of nowhere. Me mm. just all of a sudden singing Seminole Wind, and you know we get twenty thousand or something views on that thing. I would bet half of the people had no idea are saying, "What the hell is he doing?" <laughs> Why is he singing this? They had no context of why I would be singing Seminole Wind on their field. Well, you did it. And, hey, on the way out, just to not be totally uh, funny, on the way out for, like, the last eight minutes, will you believe, like, if they beat Louisville, will you believe they can win a national title, or will they have to make it to the national title game? Like, will they have to have won the semifinal, and it's the week going into the national title game where, like, all right, man, like, I I think they really can do this. Because I know you're not holding back because – your mean spirit or anything like that. It's just like the cynic, the cynic in you. I mean, you've, you're a Braves fan. You've lived through a lot of heartbreak. Uh, what will make you believe like that, you know, not team of destiny, but just it's a crazy season. It's a crazy sport. Maybe they can find a way. The offense has to look better. Okay. If the offense looks like a, a good college football offense, which it did not on Saturday. Um, and I, and I only say that mainly because that, that was a horrible defense they were going up against. Literally guys go look at those stats they were last in the country in 40-yard plays allowed. They were third to last in yards per play allowed. They were 94th in total. They were they're literally, other than like North Alabama, they're the worst defense they faced in all year probably. Maybe them and, no. them and LSU. Them and LSU. The um, two SEC teams, go figure. Yeah, really, right? Uh, it's like the Big 12, <laughs> the, the uh, SEC from 10, the Big 12 of like 10 years ago. I, I think that um, if they look good offensively, and Tate looks comfortable, and they hit some big plays, and they put up in somewhere in the mid-30s and look good doing it, efficient. 
big play, all the stuff we've come to know from this offense, I might change my tune. It's I admittedly it's a small sample size, um, just the one game with Tate. But I mean, let's be honest, the, it's the the offense wasn't good against Miami either, and no. that was with Jordan Travis, mm-hmm. and the offense looked really horrid through the first twenty five minutes in the swamp. If it can look, if it can start to look like itself again, even with a backup quarterback, I might change my mind. I just it's a backup quarterback, man. No. Jordan Travis gave you gave me a lot of hope that they were in any game and could go win any game because he was special. Tate Rodemaker might be special. He just hasn't proven it yet. And it was cool to see on the field. I don't know if you saw, but I was down on the field recording and uh, Holly Rowe, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, all individually like went up to Trav to Jordan Travis uh, and were like giving him like you know encouragement and just yeah. you know you could. You, you could tell they realized, you know, how special he is to this program, how special the talent he is in the in the world of college football. Um, so, uh, you know, and you all realize it too. It's why you felt so confident about him. And the fact you don't have him is obviously a, a big development. But you're 12 and 0. You're going to play yep. for a championship this weekend in Charlotte. Uh, check out Warchant.com for a summary of Coach Norvell's teleconference uh, with Jeff Brom that was done on Sunday. We'll also have the full interview up on the YouTube channel, so check that out as well. Hey, Long one more shout-out, Aslan. Please. Um, you know it better. You, well, we both know it, but you were down closer to it. Uh, I love Florida having an open-air press box, even though it was a little chilly. Um, the marching Chiefs <laughs> oh were God. out of their minds. I, I, it literally, they dominated the game. Like, I've never – they played more in that game than they played all season of dope combined. I feel like they never shut up, and I mean that in a great way. Yeah. Like they played the entire game. Well, the defense was, gave them reason to keep playing the war chant over and over. So they and, even played the war chant in the middle of the Tom Petty sing along. I mean, they were they were like Darth Vader. <laughs> they were like Darth, like, hey, you're gonna hear us. We're gonna we're gonna play this song over and over. You can keep booing all you want, but you're gonna hear us. And I'm telling you, it's. I hope the powers that be at Doke realize what that means, what that's like, and I don't understand why they would be playing more in Gainesville, I guess because they don't care about the advertisements being played or just the the music being played in between plays, but they need to take uh, they need to take heed of what they saw in Gainesville and let the marching chiefs let them loose because they were unleashed in the swamp and it was awesome. I had multiple people, well, all over the chat, it's been Twitter, but just text me and be like, man, the Marching Chiefs are sound so loud, and they're playing constantly. I'm like, yeah, man, this is how it's supposed to be. And they dominated that game. It was crazy. It was crazy. And, I, and kudos to Florida for letting the band be so close. And for field. bringing everybody. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, they – you couldn't even move on the field between – like the last five minutes of the second quarter because they were on there getting ready to go for their halftime performance. Yeah, the whole band get to, gets to come. I think that's really neat. Um, that's a cool – That's a cool. I don't know. There might be a little animosity after playing in, in the middle of the Tom Petty song. but <laughs> Deal with it. Exactly. Miami puts them up in the upper deck um, because Miami's not used to bands having more than 40 people. <laughs> and Clemson – didn't have a space for him either, I don't think, or would have made them be in the upper deck too. So, again, shout out to Florida for, for, for real. I'm being serious. For understanding the what that means and the, the just the pageantry of college football and letting the Chiefs be that close to the field and to their own sidelines. It was it was really neat, man. It was, a, it was such a cool atmosphere, right? It Absolutely. was such a cool atmosphere. Yeah, I don't want to elaborate because then it feels like I'm complimenting that university. Um, but I, I, like I told you and Ira, after we got done talking to Coach Norvell, I'm just like, man – 
I really love my job. Like nights like that. Like I yep. really, really love my job. That that game was an incredible college football game to be part of. So, and being down on the field, you're not always getting to be down on the field, and and obviously the press box at Doak is not open air, and it's got like soundproof glass, yeah. so it's very sterile. There's nothing sterile about the swamp. Uh, you get to live it even in the press box, but down on the field, that had to be just awesome. What an mm-hmm. awesome atmosphere, even for a, frankly, Aslan, a five and seven team that's not even going bowling. <laughs> Ain't going to start losing kids left and right to the portal. Oh, man. There's always next year. All right. We're done. Jeff Cameron show, though, 1 to 3 o'clock. Him and Tom giving you their take on the game. Press conference. We're also, I think we're same protocol as always. We'll we'll get Coach Norvell this morning as well as long as uh, as well as all the coordinators. So stay connected to WarChant.com for all that. Thanks so much for listening. Go to Corner Pocket for your lunch. Shake it and take it. Take a vitamin energy and hit the thumbs up on the way out. He's Corey. I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up or Champ presented by the Corner Pocket Barn Grill.